good morning to you. I am glad that you're here, wherever here may be for you, and that you're going to join us as we study God's Word together on this special day. Like some other special Sundays, we are unable to get together this morning on Mother's Day. Mothers, you are so important to us. I am now in the process of making this, and there's two, mo- two mothers here that I'm very thankful for as well. But I just know for our mothers, there's nothing like a mother. Some of the greatest stories in God's Word are built around mothers and the impact and the influence that they had on their family. So mother, thank you for the influence that you have. And I know many of us could talk about our mothers who have already gone home to be with the Lord and what an impact they had on our lives. And for those of you who still have a mother living, don't you let this day pass without letting them know how much that you love them. Don't you miss that opportunity at all. It was last week that I shared with you that I have a sense that God is desiring to work with His church and with His people and specifically with His people at Crossroads Fellowship in a way that you and I have never thought about before. I believe the events that have plagued us as a nation and a world for the last few weeks and months are just a prelude to things that may be coming yet. But I think that it is a wake-up call for God's children that there are some things that He wants us to do. He wants us to live a life that counts. And it's up to us to do that. And we started last week in looking at uh, the story in God's Word of an, ex- of an ordinary man who became an extraordinary man because he made some decisions for God. And we're going to continue with that theme today, examining the choices that these people have made that you and I can make also. They've been left as examples for us that we may follow them. So we're going to look at some of these ordinary people that God did mighty things through. And I want you to see those as well. Let me just ask this question before we start this this morning. Uh, What is it that makes a man or a woman great anyway? What is it? Well, I think it depends on who you talk to, don't you? Hollywood would tell us it's a pretty face and a sexy body. That's the secret to greatness. Washington, D.C. would tell us that you have to have connections, you have to know the right people, and you have to be a mover and a shaker if you want to be a part of all that. I believe that some people would tell us that the key to greatness if we moved across the street to Wall Street is that you've got to have financial clout. You've got to be able to leverage in places that need leveraging. You have That's the key to greatness. And if you went to some sports arena, you may find out that the key to greatness is the guy who can knock it out of the park ever so often or the man who can throw a 42-yard pass for a touchdown. It depends on who you talk to. It really does to find out what they think the secret to greatness is. What does God tell us that greatness is? Well, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, we're going to be introduced to someone that you'll know about that makes all the difference in the world. And I want you to see this man and how God used him in such a tremendous way. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 And then when you get through with that, 
You can turn over, if you want to mark it right now, to Acts 13. And I'm going to read a verse from that, verse 22. But I'm going to begin with 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. And I hope you have your outline. I hope you'll fill it out. And uh, then I hope also you will follow along in your copy of God's Word as you're sitting there at home listening. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. God's Word says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The heart. Do you see that word? God says that greatness is determined by character, not by reputation. That's what he's telling us. The heart of the matter is actually the matter of the heart. Our character is the bottom line. If you want to live a life that counts, then it matters. It's a matter of the heart. This morning we're going to examine David, one of the greatest men who ever lived. But you remember, David was just an obscure little boy taking care of sheep out in the field when we were first introduced to him. He was a shepherd. He was a king. He was a poet. He was a general. God used him to write the most beloved book, I believe, in the Bible, the Psalms. He united the kingdoms of Israel, and he was a giant killer and an incredible lineup of achievements. But I want you to understand, God wasn't impressed with any of that. What impressed God about David was his heart. Listen now to Acts 13, verse 22. And when he had removed him, this is Solomon being removed, or Saul being removed rather, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified. Now this is what God testified. Of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Did you hear that? A man after my heart that will do all my will. I have to ask myself that question. Am I a man after God's heart? Are you a person after God's heart who will do all that he wills? David had that heart for God. He would do everything God wanted him to do. And since we can't see the inside of anybody or really any ourselves as well, then how do we know a person's heart? Well, here's how you know a person's heart, your own as well as others. You look at how we or they respond to the circumstances of life. That's how you know a person's heart. So we're going to look at four circumstances in David's life, and we're going to see a great heart. These are the tests of a great heart. If you're going to examine these today, then this is how you find out. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that your spirit would bring many in our nation into a time of self-examination. Oh, Father, that we would not pass up this time. I pray you would expose our sins, which are so easily hindering our peace with you and with others. You tell us that we're to make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with you. 
Oh, this world desperately needs to have that peace, to see that fruit of God's Spirit manifested in the lives of believers like myself in our church. I pray, Father, that the Spirit of Crossroads will be the Spirit that God wants to place in all of His people and that we will bear much fruit And the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gladness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That you tell us there is no such thing against that. So Father, may we as a church and your people, may we also during this time manifest your peace. And may people come to know that the only real peace is in you and through you. I pray this as we study your word together. In Christ's name, amen. There are four tests for a great heart, as I said a moment ago, and we're going to look at those. And we're going to see how David handled these tests and ask ourselves, how do we handle these tests as we look at these uh, today? The first test Put this on your outline, is sin. And David's response right below that, write this in, is a repentant heart. A repentant heart. David had a tender, sensitive conscience. Simply put, when David sinned, when he blew it, he admitted it. He didn't hide it. He didn't deny it. He didn't take excuses and try to put those... And hide behind those. He didn't rationalize it. When he was confronted, he said, you're right. I'm a sinner. I've sinned. And he quickly repented. One of the best examples is that found in Psalms 51, verses 1 through 3. And you know that Psalms and what it's all about. You remember that. But listen to what it says. Oh, loving and kind God, have mercy Have pity upon me. Take away the awful stain of my transgressions. Oh, wash me, cleanse me from the guilt. Let me be pure again, for I admit I am shameful indeed. I admit my shameful deeds, he says. You know the background of Psalms 51. The Psalms is of David's prayer for forgiveness and his confection of his sin that he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. And you remember that he was confronted by the servant of God, Nathan, the prophet. And he doesn't deny it. Not at all. He says, I'm guilty. I did that. It was wrong. I have no excuse. He did not blame Bathsheba. He did not blame anybody else. He just took the blame himself. He was honest with God. That's the first characteristic of a heart after God, that we confess our sin. We do not try to hide behind something else or blame someone else. We say, I am a sinner. The Bible tells the truth. It doesn't cover up anything. It doesn't cover up the murders. It doesn't cover up the rape, the incest, the adultery, the lying, all the problems in the Bible. The Bible tells the truth. When the Bible describes man, it talks about his good and his bad. It's all in there together. 
When our first president, General Washington, was sitting for his portrait as the president of the United States, he told the artist that was painting his picture, he said, paint me warts and all. That's exactly what God's word does. Paints us all warts and all. David was a great king. David was a poet. David was a writer. David was a psalmist. But he was also a betrayer, an adulterer, and a murderer. We heard about his success, but we're also hearing about his struggles as well. Here's the good news. Don't you forget that? You remember that all day today and all the rest of this coming week. Here's the good news. This is a point I want you to get. You don't have to be perfect to have a heart after God. I am so thankful for that. I am not perfect. There's so much in the past that has marred my life. But I don't have to be perfect to have a heart after God. That's the good news. Many are called, many men and women of God are called to be used by God. But David is the only person that I know in God's Word that is called a man after my own heart. That's what he was. A man after my own heart. David was a great sinner, but he was a great repenter. You don't have to be perfect to have a heart after God. You just have to have a great repenter. Psalms 51 verse 17 says it this way. David still speaking, God, you will not reject a humble and repentant heart. He did reject it. And you are me. David believed in a forgiving God. David focused more on God's forgiveness than he did, than he did his own failure or trying to hide his sin. That's why God said, He's a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want Him to do. Oh my goodness. Satan whispers in our ears, because of your past, God can never use you, Kent. Satan persuades us to sin, and when we do, he tells us we're no good anymore and we can't be used. That's just exactly who he is. Friend, our past does not have to keep us from being great in God's kingdom. If God can use David, He can use anybody. But I cannot be a person of God after God's own heart until I'm willing to do what God asked me to do. And David did that. I must be willing to do what He asked me to do. And the first thing He asked me to do is to repent. Evaluate your heart. Compare it to David's heart. How do I react when I sin? How do I react when somebody confronts me with my sin? Do I deny it? Do I excuse it? Or do I immediately repent it? Which is it? How quickly does it take me to say, God, I've sinned. I've sinned. There's a second test. And I want you to see how David handled it. It's the test of stress. Write that in, would you? And David's response to stress was a trusting heart. If I'm a person after God's own heart, when it comes to stress, I'll have to have a trusting heart, as David had a trusting heart. Few people experience more stress than David. You look at his life and it'll just about drive you crazy when you see what's going on. Look at Psalms 118, verses 5 and 6. Listen to what they say. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. And then verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. Boy, David lived with stress. He had 
constant wars with his neighbors around him and neighboring nations before he finally was able to find peace. He fought a giant. He had to run from Saul and hide for his life for all those years. He had incredible family problems. If I could put it this way, his family was a royal mess. One son raped his half-sister and her brother killed that brother who raped her. One son rebelled against David trying to take the throne from his father and when he did so, he was killed. He lost an infant son to death. His life was full of stress and David said, here is what I do. I pray, I trust, and I keep moving on. Courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is moving on with God in spite of your fear. Fear brings stress. God was David's rock. God was his shield. God was his fortress. And David said, when I'm under stress, I trust God. Psalm 73 verse 26, David says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Oh my goodness. God wants to be that in your life and in my life. God is all I ever need. You're all I need, God. You may need just that today. Everybody else was afraid to take on Goliath, the giant, but David wasn't. Everybody else quaked in their sandals. Goliath is too big to kill. David refused Saul's armor and Saul's sword, and he said in 1 Samuel 17, 37, the Lord... He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He's all I need. God is my strength. Everybody has fears, has stress in their life. Sometimes it even becomes depression. What do you do with your stress? David wrote some of the most beautiful psalms in his dark days that you can imagine. What did David do? He just began to pour out his heart to God. In Psalms 116 verse 10, listen to what he says. He said, I believe even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I believed even when I spoke. I'm greatly afflicted, but I'm not giving up believing. He kept on believing. Maybe you need to do that right now. Even in the severe affliction that you might be under. How do you do this? How do you continue to believe? How do you do that when everything seems to be falling apart? When you sin, have a repentant heart. And when you're under stress, have a trusting heart. What about your heart? What's your response to stress? Do you have an anxious heart this morning? A doubting heart? Do you have a trusting heart? There's a third test that David does so well with. It's the test of service. David's response was, he had a servant's heart. Now listen to this. He was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do. In Acts 13 verse 22, listen to what the Bible says. And when he had removed him, we read this earlier, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all of my will. Study David's life and you see that his desire was to do God's will above any and everything else. 
David did everything God asked him to do. Did you hear that? Did everything God asked him to do. I have to stand before you today where you can see me and you can hear me and I've got to confess to you I've not done everything God told me to do. This man did. Everything God asked him to do, he did. David will do everything I want him to do. David had a servant's heart. Notice the characteristics of a servant's heart. I want to give those to you. Write these down. First of all, his was wholehearted. His heart was wholehearted. Psalms 119.10, he says, With my whole heart I seek you. With my whole heart. I want to seek God with some of my heart, but all my heart? With all of his heart he sought God. With zeal and enthusiasm and passion, he sought God with joy, not out of duty. Psalms 119 verse 10, he says, With all my heart I try to serve you. That's my desire. Is that your desire? He wanted to serve the Lord. Is that different from us today, this morning? So often we say, get somebody else to do it. Let somebody else serve there. I don't have the time. I'm too busy. An attitude of life for so many people is, I'm not your servant. Don't ask me to be. It's the same attitude towards God if that's what we have towards other people. But David had a servant's heart. Greatness comes through service. Not only did David serve wholeheartedly, he was focused. That's the second thing that I want you to see under these tests of service. He was focused. He refused to be sidetracked by less important things. Listen to this passage in Psalms 119 verse 37. It's an interesting passage. The Bible says he refused to be sidetracked by all these less important things. And here's how the Bible says it. Turn my eyes away from looking at work worthless things. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things. Wouldn't that be a great motto just to put on every screen you have in your house? Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things. How much of our attention is given to worthless things? It is so easy to get distracted in our world today with worthless things. Often the good is the enemy of the best. For many people, trivial pursuit is not a game, it's a lifestyle. We just chase so many fads that do not mean anything. The latest gadget. David said, I'm focused. I want to serve God because that is what counts. All this other stuff in life will not matter. It won't count at all. Won't count for a few years. Sure won't count for eternity at all. God keep me from paying attention to that which is worthless. Make your life count today. God's own heart says that. We're to be a person after His heart. And if we do that, we won't be chasing all these worthless things. And a person that's after God's heart, they don't have time for the worthless things. I'm going to do what He wants me to do. David served God with whole heart. He was focused. But let me give you something else about David. He was sacrificial in his service. David was willing to invest his time and his money. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, he said, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. 
David was going to build an altar to God and sacrifice to God. And he was going to do it on a certain piece of land. And this land was owned by a man called Aruna. And this man who owned it wanted to just give it to the king. David, you're the king. You can have this piece of land to build that altar on to serve God. But David said, no. David said, when it comes to serving my God, I'll only give him that which has cost me. I don't serve God with my leftovers. I don't serve God when it doesn't cost me. David knew that he owed everything he had to his Savior. And so do you. And so do I. And he could never offer God that which cost him nothing. Let me ask a tough question this morning. Right here in the middle of Cadiz and Trigg County, if that's where you're hearing us from. Let me ask you, what does it cost you to be a follower of Christ right here in this part of Kentucky. I'm asking myself, what's it costing me to be a Christian in America, in Cadiz? What does it cost you to be a Christian? David says, I'm going to offer the Lord something that has cost me. I can't offer Him something that has not cost me anything. Do we have to drop our head when in honesty... We say that it's costing me nothing to serve God. Friend, if it's costing you nothing and costing me nothing to serve God, then I want to tell you, we're not serving God. David says, I serve my God wholeheartedly. I serve my God with a focused heart. And I serve my God sacrificially. That's the requirements of greatness. Greatness always requires sacrifice. So many times we ask ourselves, what is the minimum that I can do? And still call myself a Christian. Evaluate your heart. How do I serve God? Not at all? Half-hearted? Wholehearted? Do I serve God eagerly? That's just between you and God. But how would you do that? Do you serve Him grudgingly or gratefully? Everything I owe, I owe to God. It's all from Him. Let me give you the fourth test. The fourth test is success. And David's response, he was a humble heart. He had a humble heart. David had success in everything he did. Do you know that's what the Bible says? In every undertaking. Does God want you to be a success? Yes, He does. He wanted David to. God wants you to be successful in all that you do. And in that, you bring Him glory. And at the same time, you build your character. He wants you to have success. In 1 Samuel 18, verse 14, the Bible says, And David had success in all undertakings, for the Lord was with him. In everything he had success. In everything. He's probably one of the most successful men who ever lived when you look at his life and you look at it close and scrutinize it. People even wrote songs about him. He was famous. The Bible says all Judah and Israel loved this man. The whole nations loved him. He was one after he had one after another unbroken strings of success. He was at the top of the pinnacle. And that's where the ultimate test comes from. How do you handle praise? 
How do you handle success? How do you handle material success? How do you handle the good life which most of us have that are listening and most of us who are part of this church? How do we handle the good life? David's response was that he gave all the glory to God. He refused to take credit for himself, for any of it. He didn't let it go to his head. There are few people who can handle success. There are few people who can handle it without letting it ruin them. For every hundred people who can handle adversity, there might be one who can handle success. When everything is going great, we just tend to forget God. We say, look at me. Look at what I'm done and what I'm doing. I'm okay. I don't need God. Here's David's attitude when everything was going good in Psalms 115 verse 1. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name give glory. David says all the credit belongs to you. Every bit of it does. When everybody else is praising him, he's saying, God gets all the glory. He had a humble heart. How can David do these things? How could he handle the praises of men? I'll tell you why. Because he knew the truth. You know what the truth is? It's found in Psalm 75 verses 6 and 7. He says, For promotion and power comes from nowhere on earth, but only from God. He promotes one and he disposes another. David said, I got promoted, but I want to tell you, God did it. It wasn't me. It comes from God. David knew that from personal knew that from personal experience. There was a long delay between the time when he was chosen by God to be the king of Israel and when he actually assumed the throne. In that time in between, when he was anointed and when he became king, he actually and actually sat on the throne. I want you to know Saul was the king. Saul was trying to kill him, and he was running for his life. But David refused to push his way to the throne, even though God had already promised it to him. Long years ago, he knew God was the one who would promote him, and he was waiting for God's timing. Friend, that's a humble heart. I've observed that those people who grasp the most for power many times are the least qualified to use it. Those who want to be real prominent usually are the least qualified to handle the spotlight. They don't have the character to match the position or the power. David handled success with a humble heart. That's the only way we can handle it. Evaluate your heart. How do you handle success? When things are going great, you tend to pray less. Now be honest. When everything is just fine, does a spiritual discipline slide in your life? You get away from God. How do you handle it? When you get the promotion, do you have a haughty heart or a humble heart? Many times we begin to believe our own press release, don't we? These four qualities, the very qualities that most people overlook, when they are looking for a great person, they don't look for a humble heart or a servant's heart or a trusting heart or a repentant heart. The qualities that most people look for are exactly the qualities that most people overlook are exactly the qualities that God looked for. God looks for the heart and He searches for greatness in the heart. For a great heart. And I want you to know God's still looking for people with great hearts. 
God doesn't set up in heaven and arbitrarily say, I'm going to pick him or I'm going to pick her. Uh, and they're going to, I'm going to give them and they're going to have miracles. And they're going to have answers to their prayers. I want to tell you something. God's up in heaven searching for hearts. Hearts after his heart. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him. He, so he can show his great power in helping them. Oh, Family of crossroads. How many great hearts are in our church family? How many great hearts will it take to turn this church to make an impact that this county, this area has never seen any time? That's what God wants to do in these years and in these months and in things that we see happening around us. God wants to raise up men and women who have great hearts who will follow Him. That's who He's looking for. He's looking for those people right in this church, right in this city. What does He see when He looks at your heart? What does He see when He looks at my heart? There needs to be a heart change. What a verse. Be a great life verse. The eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward Him. So that he can grow, he can show his great power in helping them. People God blesses. People who want to live a life that counts. That's what he's looking for. He's doing a heart search. He's doing it right now in this nation. Right now in our life. Let me give you some life application. As God examines my heart... And examines your heart. Is it a repentant heart? Let me ask you. Is there things you need to repent of right now? Maybe some people know about it. Maybe they don't. But it begins by you and by me. Repenting of that in our heart. Would you do that today? Would you do that to get ready for what God wants to do in this fellowship? Would you? Not only would you have a repentant heart, would you have a trusting heart? Are you trusting Him right now in the middle of all the fear and all the bad press that's happening around us and all the things that could happen? Are you trusting Him with your heart in all this? Friend, the picture's not good out there. We think we know what's going to happen, but we don't know. It could all blow up and turn back in our face. Are you having a trusting heart? I ask myself that as I ask you. Let me ask you and myself as well. Do you have a servant's heart? Oh, I want to serve, but I want to do it my way. God wants to bless you, but He can't do that if your heart's not a servant's heart. Are you willing to serve beginning with God's people and God even at the expense of the cost it's going to extract from your life? Are you willing to do that? Let me ask you this. Do you have a humble heart? Are you willing to let God get the glory and everybody else to get the glory while no one ever knows your name in any part of that? Are you willing and would you allow that to happen so God's glory could be magnified even if nobody ever knew? 
Would you? Would you be willing to do that? I believe that a lot of people in this fellowship, this fellowship of Crossroads, are standing on the edge of greatness. And I believe that's what God's been telling me. And I believe that's what God wants to deal with and work with as He begins to change this church for what's coming next. Are you willing to allow God to do that in your life? Friend, we can keep doing what we've been doing and getting what we've been getting. Or we can decide we want to follow God and allow Him to give the great glory to Himself that He might be magnified through us, His children. He's doing a heart search. What does He find when He looks at my heart and when He looks at your heart? God wants to bless you. He's called you to greatness. But you've settled for less. Much less. It starts with a commitment that says, my number one desire is to have a heart after God. Like David, I pray you will serve the Lord in your generation and that you will make a commitment this day to serve God with all that you have. Would you do that? It begins with a commitment. Some listening this morning and watching have never committed their life to Christ. You've thought about it. You know it would be a great thing. You know some people who have done that. But you've never committed your life to Christ. And maybe, just maybe, God right now is saying to you, I'm looking for a committed heart. A heart that has a full desire for me. Would you do that? Would you do that? And just say, God, here's my heart. Here's all of me. Take it. I trust my life to you. And I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. However few days are left, I give them all to you. Maybe you have received Him as Lord. But maybe stress and maybe lack of faith and maybe the world tugging at your heart has pulled all that away from its meant in being glorifying to God. Would you ask God to forgive you for that and turn to Him? Father, I pray today that that would happen in this place. And I pray that many would find you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that my heart would be drawn back to you. God, there's things you want to do in this church and we're running out of time. May we prepare today for what you're going to do. During our service at this time, we would receive our offering. President Abraham Lincoln was working, or walking rather, down one of the halls in the War Department building back during his tenure as president. And an army officer, who was not looking where he was going, collided with the president. And the officer was horrified when he found out who it was that he had knocked down. And he said, a thousand pardons, Mr. President, a thousand pardons. Abraham Lincoln looked at him and he said, one will be quite enough. But then Abraham Lincoln added this. He said, I wish the whole army would charge like you did just then. God's not interested 
in a church that's half-hearted or a church that will not charge the very gates of hell with the resources that He's given us to reach the lost for Christ and to penetrate the darkness. Are you willing to do that? I want to tell you, it takes resources to penetrate the enemy's territory. But God says, if we're willing to give and to serve Him with all we have, He'll find hearts that make an imprint, make a difference in the world where we live. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for caring for others and watching over them as you've been doing. Continue to do that as we wait to see what's going to happen in the future. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Would you close with me in prayer? Father, I pray wisdom for the leaders in government at all levels in our nation and around the world. Give them wisdom to contain this virus from spreading while they care for all their subjects safely. I know it's a hard thing to do. Give them that wisdom. May they acknowledge that it's from you. Father, I pray for leaders of the developing countries who have very little resources to work with as they try to take care of their people. They don't have near what we have. Oh, Father, I pray for them as they try to take care of those they're trying to serve and how they've been impacted. And then, Father, I pray also for those who are trying across our nation today to take care of their employees that they've had to lay off. They're trying to still give them some money when they don't have any money yet themselves. Thank you for those kind of business owners who care about those who work for them and the souls that they're responsible for. I just pray that you would continue to encourage them and give them peace during this time. And Father, if you were told, speaking to us, had only known of this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from you and from your eyes, you tell us in Luke. Oh God, may we not miss this time of peace. Peace that is offered only by you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.